0: You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast,
1: episode number 305.
0: Today, we're starting a two part episode. Part one is all about the biggest business lessons that we learned in 2019.
1: So stay tuned.
0: Hi, I'm James Wedmore and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, James Wedmore.
1: What's up, party people? It's Jilly.
0: (laughs) You're our party people.
1: It's Monday. Let's get this party started.
0: And we are co-hosting this episode. We've got Jilly Cedeno in the house. Happy to be back. It's good to be back. Mm -hmm. And I just had to do this episode with you because this is so perfect. Listen, we have a very special two-parter that we're putting together As you heard from the little title, part one, we're going to do a breakdown reviewing our 2019 with the biggest lessons, lessons that are going to be apropos, valuable Mm -hmm. to you for moving forward into your 2020. And then part two, which I'm super excited about this, next week, you're going to get an entire episode dedicated to the trends and predictions that we see in 2020,
1: Kind of like the what's hot and what's not list.
0: The what's hot <laughs> in 2020. Uh, we are trendsetters. No, I do really feel like we've been able to see some trends, make some pretty accurate predictions in the past. It's actually what a lot of our mastermind members love is when we bring in some conversations, usually at the end of a year or the beginning of a year, of like, here's what we see, here's where we see things going and moving and. Here's where we're moving away from. And I can't wait to share that part. Mm -hmm. So if you have not subscribed to us on the uh, iTunes or wherever you would subscribe, that would be a great place to begin. In a moment, we're going to be going over what we did this year to grow. It was a fantastical year.
1: Amazing year. Yeah. It was really great.
0: We'll take a look into some of the things that we did, some of the things that we worked uh, that worked for us and some of the lessons all for you. Things that you can take and apply into your business in the new year. It is that time of year, this like weird December time where like, I don't know, it already feels like it's the end of the year. It's
1: kind of like slowing down for the holidays, but gearing up and getting excited for next year.
0: And one of the biggest mistakes, oh, but that's no one here, right? That we see so many people make, and I used to make it years ago, so I can see when other people make it, is they do not take the time to plan 2020 or the next year now. Mm Mm-hmm. They do little to no planning at all, you know? And I think the secret to success is just reactive business (laughs) strategy, right? Just like throw a dart on the wall and wherever it lands is what you should do today, right? Just, uh, what should I do in my business? Oh, that. Oh, okay, cool. Do a launch tomorrow, right? (laughs) So this whole reactive not taking this time, the fact that it is usually more of a slow down pace for most is such the opportunity now so that you hit January 1st running and we want to help you with that. We've created basically a mini course for you called Make 2020, you bitch. That's right. That's right. And it's totally free. Uh four steps to creating your best year in business yet. You're going to get our exact uh step-by-step processes and my whole thinking for how I look at a year in review, that's step one, is like looking back Mm -hmm. at the lessons, the wins, the losses, the failures, the the lessons from those failures and completing your year and then what to do to set up your next year for success. This is all yours. It's all for free. All you got to do is head over to jameswoman.com forward slash goal setting. It's going to take you through four steps of previous episodes, previous content that we've created, all put together, compiled in one spot for you. And I'm just going to say, unless you don't like growing your business, (laughs) unless you don't want to have a successful 2020, you know, just don't, don't look at this, you know, don't do it. But every year we've been very blessed, very humbled, very grateful that we keep growing by leaps and bounds. And this year was no exception. And we're just practicing what we preach and we're preaching what we practice.
1: And the exact tools that you're going to get in the workbook that comes with the mini course is the exact thing that our entire team goes through every year
0: and this is the time to do it we're doing it now so if you're hearing our voices now would be the time to do it so that's jameswilmer.com forward slash goal setting this mini course is yours it's free it's our little Christmas gift to you Mm -hmm. yeah under the tree
1: happy holidays
0: with some mistletoe no maybe
1: it's inappropriate (laughs) HR
0: (laughs) HR all right let's get into today's episode we're talking about some of our biggest lessons for the year things that we learned based on the wins and the failures that we had. These are all things you can take with you moving into the new year. So first of all, I remember we were like sitting down about a week ago and I just remember we kind of reflected on the year, which is a good thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I felt like we were both very content with the majority of the decisions that we made this year.
1: Absolutely. We were pretty proud of ourselves. We're pretty proud of ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And... You know, there's that quote, and I think I've shared it before, which I just absolutely love. I don't know if it was Mark Zuckerberg that said this, but it was someone asking, what's the secret to success? And the answer is, well, making the right decisions. Well, how do you make the right decisions? By experience. (laughs) So how do you gain experience? By making the wrong decisions. Mm. And I cannot tell you enough how many people I see that are just so afraid to make a mistake in business. Everything becomes so do or die or permanent. And I think we were able to look back at this year and see a lot of right decisions along the way. And it's because we've made so many wrong decisions over the years and had so much experience and mistakes that time just creates more wisdom, more mm-hmm. experience and more insight. And couple that with some intuition and you get you surprised at like where you end up. So we we're really proud of that. Let's see. In 2017, we... Took the or 2018, excuse me. We took the company from three million back in 2017 to eight million in 2018, and this year we are pacing just over nine million, like mm-hmm. nine hundred nine point. What is that? Nine nine million two hundred fifty. There's a lot of numbers in there. There you go. In 2019, now the goal was ten. Ten. Mm-hmm. You know. Part of this is, you know, we can talk about that. We're actually going to talk about this like marketer math. And, you know, these are projected numbers and stuff like that based on like payment
1: plans payment plans,
0: and stuff like that, that, you know, so it's not necessarily what gets collected, although mm-hmm. another episode we can talk about, you know, collection and payment plans and stuff like that. But. Also, some of these collections go out into another year. So it's, yes. it's not what gets collected in one year, but it's what gets generated and projected of generated in a year. And so for us, that top line number is more for us that we stay consistent, that we're constantly looking at that number. It doesn't mean... And of course, we're going to talk about this, I think, in the next episode. doesn't mean we ignore things like profit margin and expenses.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Absolutely not. But this is one way that we're measuring growth. Yeah, the goal was uh, 10 But we actually, we'll get into this today about one of the decisions we said no to an offer that would have actually put us over ten. Yes, and we're really proud of that. I talked about this on a previous episode. We're we're all as a team very proud of that because we're not choosing some stupid vanity metric over what's high on our values and what's important to us. Yeah,
1: not choosing ego over yeah, exactly what you said. What's important to us? It's, It's almost like
0: that phrase of like selling yourself to the, selling your soul to the devil kind totally. of thing. It's like, well, you know, I don't want to do this and it, it would take more time that I don't want to give and it, I'd be unhappy, but look at the money, exactly. right? And we just choose not to do that.
1: Happiness over
0: cash. Yeah. And we believe happy attracts more cash. Exactly. So, so before we get into some of these lessons, we want to take a look at some of the things like what we did in 2019. Mm-hmm.
2: A, and lot. It was a lot. Yeah. It
0: was a lot. Here's one. We hosted 19 events. That's
1: right. What the what? There's only 52 weeks in the year. <laughs> we hosted uh, events during 19 of them. <laughs>
0: so what is that? Like every third week, there was an event.
1: Yeah, some of the Less events were back to back. So some so, of the, some weeks we had like three events in one week.
0: So, <laughs> I mean, some people are like, just think that's crazy, and then they're like, "There's no way James is an introvert." <laughs> Trust me, I am. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So, but let's give people some examples of some of these events.
1: Okay. So these are mastermind retreats Mm -hmm. for like inner circle members. We have our next level coaching client retreats, which are about a hundred people. We have, we hosted BBD live twice this year. One
0: of which we had our biggest BBD live event with over uh, 600 600 attendees, Mm -hmm. which we just had back in October. So that was one of them. And then we have small, small stuff. Like we do a mastermind just for our top 10 affiliates. There's 10 people. We rent a small room on the beach. Uh, at a nice little hotel and we hang out for two days.
1: Yeah. And then I also include our team and exec retreats in those because we're hosting them, paying for them, taking the team away from what they're normally doing to participate in that.
0: So all in all, that adds up to 19. Yes.
1: And that does not even include events that you spoke at.
0: Oh, yeah. If you then add on the events that I've spoken at, I I did speak at like about four others on top of that, Mm -hmm. which I try and keep that. To a minimum as well. More on that later. Uh, More on that later. (laughs) We had six new hires to the the team this Mm -hmm. year.
1: Big growth year for the team.
0: Big growth year for the team. One of the things we did that we're really proud of was we put together an official processized coaching process, which I think we'll talk more about Mm -hmm. in part two. In total, in 12 months, we've hired at least like 16 coaches into our various programs. Mm -hmm. You'll see where and why we made decisions like that. So we don't call those are a hire because, like, when I say a hire, we mean like full time in, in the person. office as an employee. Where a coach is more of like a freelance contractor. Exactly, it's, it's a very short part time position. They have their own business, their own, you know, other work that they do. We moved to a bigger office this we did. year. We refilmed the most amazing Business Academy Award winning series of the Rise of the Digital CEO.
1: That we, was so fun. That was so much fun. Yeah. Best memories.
0: Oh, man. We went to Maui. We did. I went twice. <laughs> I went back to Fiji. We. Re- I mean, this is just me just daydreaming about the year. We redid uh, a ton of content for BBD. What did you remember?
1: I took 18 days off and traveled all over Italy. Straight. Year. That was amazing. Was yeah. that
0: before or after the launch?
1: That was after, about a month after the launch. Yeah. That's right. That was amazing.
0: We started a new mastermind. Mm -hmm. This was a mastermind solely for digital entrepreneurs already at seven to multiple seven-figure levels. And then as I shared in an episode recently, we actually decided not to continue with that group moving forward. That group would have definitely put us over the stupid... Eight-figure number, (laughs) which we just keep calling stupid because it's just a stupid number. And then we're going to talk more about in our lessons, like why those things don't matter to us. And you can let them matter to you, but it's not what really matters. No,
1: not at the sake of your own happiness.
0: Exactly. Something we did the entire year, 52 weeks strong, without missing a week, was our implementing our weekly scorecard. Yes. Where every single week, every single member on the team reports one to three metrics that they're responsible for in the business. And we had as a result of that, is it about an 80% increase mm-hmm. on average on all of our growth metrics? Yes. So that's almost doubling everything that we did. We almost just shy of doubling the downloads on our podcast, just shy of doubling all of our followers on Instagram. Thanks guys for following me. Mm-hmm. Doubling our list size. Yes. Yes all in one year and people Mm -hmm. will say, but what did you do? What's your, you know, those dumb little questions. Like what's the secret little uh, strategy that you did that made it all work? When are people gonna stop chasing the little like superficial little tactic things like secret strategies? What worked was the scorecard. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to this podcast because you know simple truths like what you focus on grows. Imagine when somebody else who's connected to the vision follows the values, we'll talk about all that stuff in the next episode, or actually this episode, who's focusing on that in one number all day, every day, five days a week, what begins to happen. Oh, so good.
1: I mean, it's like a manifesting machine when you got more people behind the vision. Ah,
0: It's the manifesting mafia. That's right. There we go. There's a lot here, but we're almost done. I promise. We really like tweaked and improved our internal onboarding, performance review processes. We've changed our core values. That was yeah. a big thing.
1: That was a game changer. Have we t- did we ever talk about that on the podcast? I don't know. We can do it. No, a I think we pressure. did.
0: But our new core values, I don't even remember the old ones anymore. <laughs> in integrity, lives on purpose, uncommon sense, Swiss army knife, and gets shit done. Each of these have meaning to us in the team. Everyone, they all have their own definitions and we all practice embodying them every single week. So we did a lot.
1: Did you say we had a launch? Uh, I think you skipped over that one. We oh had yeah. a big launch.
0: Yeah, we had only one launch. Oh yeah, I did skip over that. Only one launch this year, like for business by design right. instead of two or three. And it did 4.9 mm-hmm. and something changed uh, so it was our biggest launch, our our highest performing launch. We'll get into some of the lessons from that especially. So you know, we wanted to take a moment and like share like, well, what were like the the disappointments mm-hmm. or the losses or the quote unquote failures? And it was it's hard to really pinpoint that, not because we don't make mistakes, but because so much good comes out of problems
1: yeah and that's another thing like with the scorecard is we just catch the mistakes or Faster. the downfalls so fast so
0: that's really what i'd want people to consider too is that like things become a big problem because you didn't catch it or you
1: avoid it you avoid procrastinate it. Oh, it so good
0: yeah so i think the biggest like thing that we looked at that was like needing to change
1: biggest red flag for the future
0: probably yeah was that james third person definitely overcommitted and worked too much this year, more than he'd like to.
1: Yeah. And I just want to go a little deeper on that because it's not like you were just working for the sake of working. You really were doing like the 5% of activities. There were just too many of them on your plate.
0: Yeah. Like (laughs) events, speaking, calls, Mm -hmm. podcasts.
1: Things that as an introvert needed more time to replenish than we anticipated.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, as an introvert, need that solitude. I am such a hermit in that sense and then like when i did find pockets of time oh i'd milk it for all it's worth you know (laughs) go into total hibernation mode and then we'd come up with creativity and ideas and new content and all that type of stuff and i just looked at the team and i was like i need more of that to keep being the visionary in the company right that's super important also with that like me getting my own coaching and support this year became a real challenge Mm Uh, the mastermind that I was a part of, I couldn't go to any of the retreats because we had stuff in the calendar. We had our own events and we just couldn't do it. And you just, you know, you start to notice the difference when you're not getting your own coaching. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but everyone should have coaching and support, you know, all year long. Mm-hmm. Like show me the professional athlete that doesn't have a coach That's and true. who keeps growing, you know? And so this year was a year where I didn't really get that. And so I'm making a concerted effort moving forward, as I've already talked about in 2020, to take a minimum of 125 days off and have at least two coaching support systems in place for me. I'm still looking at my options of what that will look like for me.
1: So we're taking that super seriously, by the way.
0: The 125 days? Yeah. That's going to be
1: a new metric on our scorecard.
0: So it's a a metric that I would be reporting every week. It doesn't seem too challenging for me because... If you just took the weekends off, you're already at about 100 days, a hundred and few. So taking the weekends off and then ideally most weeks, I'm going to take like a third day off, like a Friday. And so then it's just about being really intentional four days of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's studies done of companies that are now doing four day work weeks and their productivity is going through the roof. So I'm actually going to start encouraging the team to do that as well. Working more is not the answer. You guys know that here. So mm-hmm. We just overcommitted to some things. We just said yes more often than we should have. And you just found yourself saying, whoa, a couple of times throughout the year, how did this happen? And so that can be a real challenging when you're you know, wanting to be your word and be an in integrity. And you're like, no, I said yes to this. I don't like to be the person that backs out. I don't like to be the person that others can't depend on. And we just found me saying yes a little too often. Plus, calendar management became Really, we had to really lean into calendar management. Like right. we just find like if someone else was managing my calendar, like an assistant or someone on the team, all of a sudden a full day would just be filled. And it's like, yeah, there the time has been allocated. Like, yeah, oh, this is an hour, then this is an hour, and this is an hour, and then this for 30 minutes, and then this is another 30 minutes. But it's like physically, energetically, like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And for it was just time. like, oh. You know it's like how do you go from like a 2 hour coaching call to then like being an interview on a guest and then like do two meetings or something and you're like
1: write a sales page
0: <laughs> and then go and then you got to go do something that's like 5% activity right So another uh I would say thing that like was a disappointment and a lesson within that is you know the longer in your business the more you learn what your superpowers are and what are my superpowers is um uh, i can't put it into words but like the ability to attract great people mm-hmm. you know see the right people the potential in others traits qualities characteristics whether that's working with people in a high level coaching environment or attracting team and as we were scaling and growing that was something i let go of removing myself completely from the hiring process you know we had some people that i wouldn't have hired yeah. come in and you know, I had to make a decision there to say, because that's so high value, I don't think I can let go of that yet.
1: Especially because how much one hire can start to have a ripple effect throughout the whole like culture of the office. So
0: there's a lesson in right there. Most people listening won't, you know, and this is just our thing As we keep talking about team and we're going to talk some lessons about team today mm-hmm. and people are going to say, yeah, you know, that's not important yet but it is, it's more important than you realize. Yes. But attracting the right people is paramount. And I believe a skill that all entrepreneurs need to develop is the ability to identify great talent, great people, the potential in others. We all need that as entrepreneurs because that's part of what we do is you have a big vision, you can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. Otherwise your vision isn't really that big. And so to be able to spot that talent at all times, is critical when You start to put those people together and create a great culture and a great team and a great community within your organization. One bad person is like a drop of black ink in the white Mm. or the clear glass of water. And it spreads faster than you can realize. Mm -hmm. And And faster
1: than your team will probably even come to you and tell you. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh,
0: exactly. I cannot stress enough that if you have someone in your organization, your company that shouldn't be there and you know it but you're like afraid to pull the trigger I just want you to know you owe it to all the amazing other people on your team to get rid of them as soon as possible Mm -hmm. they are doing more harm than good they are affecting the morale the energy the culture of your people that are doing the best that they can
1: yeah and that's only going to trickle down to your customers too, Mm -hmm. eventually
0: you know we learned that at a deeper level this year and that was a lesson Mm -hmm. and We just want to share all those things with you. But overall, by and large, like looking at this year, we were very proud of this year for ourselves, the growth, everything, Mm -hmm. and the decisions that we made and where we've really ended up. It's just been like a really great year.
1: It's been like one of the best years. It's been so much fun. So rewarding filled with so much pride around the whole thing. So
0: We are going to get into some really big lessons uh, right now, but we'll share with you guys that it going to be valuable to everybody and pretty darn insightful, I think, because we liked coming up with these. It was really fun. What would you say though, Jilly, for you, attributes to this year being so different and special for us?
1: I think for me, it was really like watching the team come together and accomplish things that others might think are impossible, but we didn't know because we don't operate that way. Yeah. So just seeing the whole team come together and just have so many accomplishments as a team and watching the new leaders of our company emerge and take more responsibility and ownership over their goals and outcomes. I think it was just so exciting to watch. And I think for me also, it was just, it was an inner game for me this mm-hmm. year. There was a lot of stuff that I did behind the scenes, like personal development work on myself. That I will continue to do in 2020. That I think is going to be the game changer.
0: Can you share more about like?
1: Yeah, so so just starting. I mean, little things like starting a more a morning routine, just being more intentional about like self integrity with myself, like Mm -hmm. being more careful with what I feel my body with, where my energy goes, what I'm watching on TV, reading a new at least one new book every month to start my mornings with fresh ideas and things that are going to. Basically, allow me to step into the higher version of myself that day. And, you know, I started doing this last year with our biggest launch to date in 2018. But I would ask myself every day, like, what would a $10 million launch manager do? What would a $100 million integrator do? So I think just the inner game for me was a big game changer.
0: I love that you share that because I think that's something we'll get into a little bit more too. But part of our culture is is to foster and encourage that inner game with everyone on the team Mm -hmm. and to just watch them all grow personally and professionally is a joy for us Mm -hmm. but it also helps the company grow you know because they're stepping into bigger and bigger roles and what you were referring to about us doing the impossible is bbd live was 600 people it was a main room two tracks two separate rooms av teams in all those plus a vip room Mm -hmm. four days the whole thing run by 11 people Yes, from Team Wedmore that have no prior experience as a production managers outside of this company. They didn't come from a production management or event management, you know, staffing or anything like that mm-hmm. background. We all learned this and figured this out on our own in-house. We didn't hire any hired guns to help with any of that. Nope. We did it all in-house.
1: I think the biggest thing is we all as a team have such a high like standard for excellence Mm-hmm. That it just drives the vision and we don't take no for an answer.
0: Yeah. And it's so baked into the the values, which we'll talk about. Let's get into some of these lessons. Lesson number one, less is more. I see a lot of people trying to grow their business by doing more. Mm. If I, okay, I made a hundred thousand last year. I want to make 200,000 this year. Does that mean I need to work twice as hard?
1: Do double the amount of launches.
0: Right. I need to launch more. I need to push more. I need to be on social more. I need to do all these things more. And I've always been of the elk of less is more. Mm-hmm. And before this sounds like a contradiction of like, James, you just said you like overcommitted. This year we focused on less offers. Yes. You know, by us saying no to an offer for next year was again, something we're really proud of. Mm-hmm. We had only one launch for yes. our program, Business mm-hmm. by Design. And that one launch for Business by Design this year generated more revenue than doing two launches combined last year. Mm -hmm. More with one than doing two. So even though we did more like events and like tried new things, we're still whittling away at doing less and less. Mm -hmm. We didn't create any other offers. No, we didn't create
1: a brand new course. We didn't create a brand new launch.
0: Yeah, and That's what we're going to continue to focus on is less is more, because when you commit to less, you get to commit more of your time, effort, energy, creativity, and magic to those less things. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to do more things, you have to split or diffuse your energy.
1: There's so many things that happen there. (laughs) Energy, decision-making ability, willpower, Exactly, all these finite resources just go away. Yeah.
0: So that's the first one. Lesson number two, bigger isn't better. I think a big mistake, and we always want to be mindful of it. We're all about big vision, big ideas, big growth. But just growing for growth's sake is like the worst thing to do. Yes. Or growing because you think you should. Exactly. Or, well, I, you know I did this much this year, so I'm supposed to do more next year. And this goes back to our... How happy and proud we are as a team that we said no to things that could have gotten us bigger revenue, mm-hmm. bigger number, bigger vanity metrics, but we would have just been growing for growth's sake without keeping in mind what's important to us, our values, how we want to live our lives, how we want to spend our day.
1: Yeah, sustainability for the future.
0: Totally. And so this is also just, you know, so this is this lesson is a is a broad lesson, but it It takes on many forms, you know, a bigger vanity metric. Someone's making a million dollars, but their profit margins razor thin. And somebody who has like a $200,000 business, but they're making, they have more profit, not just profit margin, but like actual dollars. It's a more simple business. They're Mm -hmm. probably working less and they're getting to keep more, you know? So bigger in that sense, isn't always better. Even to have more profit... But if you're working more and there's more stress and all that type of things. And so this is a lesson we're constantly learning, Mm -hmm. but is what are we doing it for? Why are we doing it for? And what drives the bigness, what drives the reach of growing revenue-wise is more about the impact we can make. We know that if we're making more money, that's money is a tool that can reach more people. And if we've been reaching more people, the byproduct is more money, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if those other things that are important to us, like time and space and creativity and all that stuff are not there, then what's the point? What or are doing Or even the people for? that
1: you are attracting your customers, if you're not even fully available for them because you're overworked, you're tired, you're not showing up as your best self, then they in turn aren't going to get the best results either.
0: Yeah. So such an important big lesson about being willing to say no. Mm-hmm. you know. I've said it before and I'll say it again, but I think a common misconception is that sideline entrepreneurs, people on the sidelines who want a business but aren't doing it, tend to think that opportunities are rare, like they're scarce, and entrepreneurs in the game will tell you that opportunity is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just always saying yes, you're usually saying yes out of FOMO, right? Like, right. oh, this could be the last, they're everywhere.
1: Yeah. And without really taking a good hard look at what it's going to cost you, you know, during that time you're saying yes and even after, like what's the ripple effect of you saying yes to that?
0: Lesson number three is to truly know your role. And, you know, growth happens in phases. And with different phases, there's different needs that the business has and different roles that you'll need to play. But at each one of those phases, you better be darn well clear on what your role is, what is your highest value role, and that's where your time goes first. And the things that I'm gonna share with what your true role is tend to be the most often overlooked things. First, it's vision and values. The vision of the company is where are you going and why are you going there? The values is how are we getting there? Mm -hmm. You know, How do we show up in the world to get there? And values creates the culture of the people you attract. I said earlier that developing the skill to attract great talent is paramount. But what I realized, a lesson that I really learned when I started asking myself, like, what is a $10 million CEO? How does he or she spend their day? What is their role ultimately? What's the best place to spend their time? I came up with this term called the CEO mentor. The CEO mentor is that one of their highest value activities is to be the coach and the mentor to their team, to be able to foster leadership, growth, and potential and performance in each members in the team. And you just see the lazy thinking of so many entrepreneurs that are saying, "I don't have time to to manage. I don't have time for this, and I don't want to spend that time. I just can't. They just let me do my work." And I used to be of that, so I can hear it and see it in others. But have you ever considered that the reason you don't have the time is because you haven't attracted and fostered amazing people, mm-hmm. A players and leaders in your company, even if it's like you're talking about two people, you know, and that's something to really consider that you could hire someone part-time right now for $15 to $18 and pay less than $20,000 a year mm-hmm. for them to work with you part-time getting going locally. I'm not even talking about a 3 to $4 an hour virtual assistant, right? and that's another big reason why we are staunchly against and I know this will offend some people but I you know love to let people choose to the emotion of feeling offended that's mm-hmm. your right that we poo poo and against the overpriced expensive freelance VAs and project managers absolutely you know too many people are just not willing to take the time to attract and train in-house the right people and so as a result they pay somebody like to $65 an hour to come in and like be a virtual assistant or a project manager. And I wouldn't have an issue with that. But it's those same people that are complaining that they don't have any money left over.
1: Yeah. And you realize you're going to have to train those project managers and assistants on your stuff. And you can't,
0: but you can't because then you can start getting into some legal issues there Mm. because you're to ask someone who is a W-9 freelancer to work on the way you want them to work. Exactly. You know, it's like, wait a second. So is this really an employee? And that can get you into some trouble too. So, you know, if you're paying $65 an hour to have somebody like do your social media for you, and then you you don't have any money left over, those are linked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a cause and effect relationship there. And so just like my lesson at the deepest level is knowing my highest value to my company and what we're doing is that, yes, I'm I'm the visionary. So I'm in charge of setting the vision. Where are we going and why are we going there? But the most value I provide today is being the mentor to every member of my team. And that's such a different place than where most people are at, where they're just like, Oh, can't you just figure this out? Can't you just be as amazing as me? So, well, if they were as amazing as you...
1: They'd have their own business. They'd have their own
0: business, right? But they need maybe a little leadership, a little bit of guidance, a little coaching, and a little support from you. Also within that is knowing your hourly rate.
1: Yeah, this was a big eye-opener. I mean, we always knew this in the past, but we approached it a different way at our team retreat this year that really brought it to a whole new understanding with the rest of our team.
0: Completely, and I think we put mine at five thousand yeah. dollars an hour, which mm-hmm. is crazy. But when, now, when we're looking at anything, especially moving forward, anything we say yes to, we're we're already clear. Well, it's that's five thousand dollars that it's costing us per hour for James to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're staying busy and doing things that someone else should be doing, it means you're not valuing your time, and you don't know what it's really costing you. And I think we like. I haven't met any entrepreneurs today that are struggling with the problem of, I just have too much time on my hands and I'm bored and I don't know what to do. It's usually the opposite. And that's a symptom, partly, of not valuing our own time.
1: Yeah. And this just came to me. Like, if you don't value your time, how can you expect your team to value your time and just like show up fully present when you're training them on something? How can you expect them to do that if you are you can't even give them 100% of you during that time?
0: Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, it definitely has such a ripple effect that's affecting everyone. You know, if we're just operating from a reactive busyness. So knowing what an hour of your time is worth will put a lot of things in perspective for you. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like, if you were to say, hey, okay, great. An hour of my time is $500. Awesome. And then it's like, hey, let's go work on my about me page or let's go like connect this autoresponder form that a virtual assistant could do for $4 an hour and take three hours to do it. It's like, no, I don't wanna spend that $12. I will instead spend $1,500 to do it myself. And that's unfortunately what a lot of people are doing. Mm -hmm. And then they don't understand why they're not making money. They don't understand why they don't have any money and why they're not growing. But there's the answer right there. And it's clear as day when you just look at it. Where are you spending your time?
1: Yeah. And if you do the exercise and and track kind of what you're looking at, I guarantee that what you made in 2019 will match up with the hourly rate that you gave yourself.
0: So the exercise is to take the revenue that you want to generate next year and, and be, the most simplistic math is to then divide it by 2080, 2080, which is the amount of working hours in a year. And most people will get a minimum of like 100 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. And when you can hire somebody virtually part-time for a couple dollars an hour, you're getting your time back. You're getting to focus on the high-level activities. And that's that's what's so heartbreaking to me. I know we're spending a lot of time on this one, but I wouldn't if I didn't see it as such a problem with so many entrepreneurs, is most people, if you did the math, like you want a 200 k business, I think that puts you at about $100 an hour, Get your paying somebody $65 an hour, it's just the math doesn't add up there, mm-hmm. you know? So something to really think about there. Okay. Know your role, like your deepest true role. Let's do lesson number four. We're going to go deeper with a common lesson and theme that we've shared before, but it's deepening the lesson. You've heard me say this before. You'll hear it again. Great businesses. You want a great business, don't you? Are built by great teams. So we're going to talk about a couple things here. That's been a huge lesson for us. The first is culture. What helps to foster a great team is a great culture. Mm-hmm. And part of what creates the culture is first, it's it's the trickle-down leadership. It all comes down from the top. So it's coming down from you. Yep, we'll talk more about that in a second. Part of the culture is about the vision, right? They got to be connected to where are we going? Where are you going? Why are you going there? Why is that the vision and the values?
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to note that you have a culture whether it's just you or not like you have a culture with yourself. Totally. And even if you bring on one person, then that might create a new culture. Yes.
0: And what we've seen with culture, and this has just been such a huge lesson is people call community, Mm -hmm. but I want to start calling it culture. Business by design has a culture. Yes. Our coaches have their own culture. Team Wedmore has its own culture. Our masterminds, have their own culture mm-hmm. and you can have, you know, like community, but I don't know. There's just something about that word and what that means to say culture and to have a good culture.
1: I feel like culture is what makes that community unique and special.
0: Yeah, totally. That's something we leaned in heavily. That was a big lesson for us is, is focusing on the different ways and different places that we could create great culture. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, how would you describe a little bit of the culture? of team Wedmore.
1: Well, I think the cultures are really driven by the core values. I think that's one of the reasons why we changed our core values this year because the natural who we were attracting, the way that the team was showing up, was kind of like outplaying our existing culture. So we needed to up level what we were calling important. Yeah. So I think I mean our values perfectly describe culture. We get done. Yeah. We stay in integrity. We have a lot of fun. It's not built in there, but lives on purpose is one of them.
0: That was what I was going to say. It's like, we don't take a lot too seriously. Mm -hmm. Like we, we have a lot of fun. You know, our new hires see me in board shorts and unshaven with like disheveled hair. And everyone's like, it's casual Friday on a Tuesday. Yeah. And they're at first, they're like, wait, what? Like, is this (laughs) legit? And then they're like, this is actually really refreshing. But
1: new hires don't really know what to do with us. when They really don't.
0: They really don't. And we love that (laughs) because like, we're so like, you know, Can't judge a book by its cover. If you were to like observe us for a day, it would look like we just don't take anything seriously Mm -hmm. because we're just we're not the professional, stereotypical like CEO corporate lifestyle, but like we're a team. Yes. And that's a big part of the culture is that we're a team. Mm -hmm. And I'm just gonna throw this out here: is that building a team, great, you know, great business are built by great teams, and building a great team will be the hardest thing you ever do. And it's because when you start building a team, it's a very different MO strategy mindset than starting a business. Takes a completely different set of skills. And here's, here's where, as a if you're a personal brand entrepreneur, most of you, you're screwed. Because the whole personal brand entrepreneur thing is about like the me show, right? It's like, look at me, look at me. I'm the personal brand, I'm the expert, I'm, a, I'm the authority. And building a team is the antithesis to that. And from day one, when we started building this team, starting with Jilly, I had to really get clear and make sure everyone coming on getting clear that this is not the James show, right? This is not about James. You're not here to make James look good and look popular. I just happen to be the product, but we are all on the same team. Mm -hmm. And because we're all on the same team, it's the perfect literal metaphor It is a literal and metaphorical description of how you could create a great company is that when one person loses, the whole team loses. Mm -hmm. So everyone here, what we love is that everyone here has each other's backs. That's right. That's what makes the culture great. And if someone can't depend on somebody else, if someone says, I just don't feel like I can depend or that person just let me fall then we've got a problem. We got to fix that. Mm-hmm. And so part of my role, when I go back to my truest role, is preserving and protecting the culture. And somebody, sadly, a lot of people here listening are going to say, this is not relevant to me. I'm not there yet. Blobbity blue And have you ever considered that that's why you're not there yet?
1: Exactly. And like James said, I, I was the first tire of the existing team. One more, but... I mean, even back then, like I could tell, I walked right in and I knew there was a culture there. It was even just Chelsea. There, it was I, just you guys, yeah. yeah. And I walked out. I was like, that office looked awesome. I I got want a basketball hoop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Like it's one of those techie companies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Part of this is then a mistake, of course, that people say where they say, "But James, there's just no great people out there," mm. and this is going to sting. So um, put your seatbelts on. Here's the truth: A players don't work for B leaders. That's right. Yeah. So they've already interviewed you before you interviewed them. That's why you can't find any great people. If you're actually actively looking and you can't find anyone, it's because they've already looked you up. They've already found you and they said, I want to work with someone. An A player, the person that you do deserve, does not want to work for somebody. I'm not saying this is anybody here. I'm just saying the truth is, an A player does not want to work for somebody that they feel like they can outperform.
1: That's probably why they're out looking for a job in the first place.
0: Well, that's the number one reason why an A player will quit their job is because they feel like they're not being fully utilized and put into their highest potential. They feel like they're not being pushed enough. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at you and they're like, can this person lead me? Can I learn from this person? Will this person push me? Will I grow? Mm-hmm. That's what A players do. That's how they think. That's how they act. That's how they operate. And if the answer is no, they're not going to apply. A players don't work for B leaders. This is why so much of what this podcast is about. So much of everything we share is growth from the inside out. When you grow personally, professionally, you just attract more amazing people. And that's it. So fostering leaders, we learned a lot about that this year. and We learned that lesson ourselves that as we've grown, as I've grown, it becomes easier and easier for us to attract Higher caliber people onto the team. Mm-hmm. Right. Fostering leaders is bringing up people within the company. We've learned some lessons here.
1: And just like what you said, A players, they want to be challenged. So I think like recognizing that someone has more that they can give and seeing that leadership potential in them and really fostering that is going to make big changes for you in 2020 if you have a team member that's kind of emerging and yes. almost begging for more.
0: Well, that's a couple of things now about leaders that are in your company and fostering them. Number one, I tell them right away, I said, I will never give you a promotion. I will never give you more responsibility. That's one of the first things I say when when we hire somebody. I said, I will never give it to you. You must take it. That was a lesson we learned long ago, but we're now implementing that and seeing the fruits of that lesson Mm -hmm. demonstrated. In other words, if you want something, you got to come after it. If you're sitting around waiting, that's not what a leader does leader is somebody who drives results so they better drive that promotion that added responsibility they better come in and say they better take initiative they better take action right
1: yeah because not only are they driving results in business but that means they're also driving results and taking action in what they want out of their life
0: exactly and then of course (laughs) if you actually want to foster leadership if you want to increase performance with members of your existing team you gotta let go if you want them to grow This will be one of the biggest things that entrepreneurs struggle with. All your perfectionism, all your has to be done your way, my way or the highway, all that stuff, you got to throw out the window and you have to be willing to give the wheel to somebody else and say, here, kid, drive. Or rather say, do you want to come take the wheel? Right? And then they take it and then you got to let your hand off the wheel you got to let them crash the bus Mm -hmm. and it's only when they really know that they're the one driving the bus that they'll either crash it or they'll take you to the finish line if you're saying okay but i'm going to hold the hand on here the whole time i'm going
1: to overcorrect.
0: yes and i'm always going to be there anytime you're about to make a mistake then you're not fostering a leader you're enabling A B player Mm -hmm. to stay a B player. And then they're going to be like this person. And I've literally had people say that because now we're creating leaders that create the next generation of leaders within the company. And we've literally had that being said. It's like if this person doesn't give me the sense of complete ownership, I don't feel like I can fully own it. Mm -hmm. Well, duh. So you have to be willing to let go. It'll be one of the scariest and hardest things you ever do. So simple. But it's so imperative. It's so essential. Um, And the
1: scorecard really is like the buffer for that too. It gives you a yeah. bird's eye view of, you know, every what it is week, that they're doing. Yeah,
0: Every week that they're owning that number, you're not, they are. And so three weeks go by and the l- number goes lower. You can say, okay, hold on, oh, hold on. We need to fix something, mm-hmm. right? This is a real simple lesson, but we just loved this one. I had to include this. We learned this from our friend, Annie Pratt, is that she gave us a wonderful piece of advice to org chart everything. We have an org chart for the company. But now we have an org chart for all our major projects, Mm -hmm. for launches, for our live events. Mm -hmm. There's an org chart. And one of the reasons why 11 Motley crew, ragamuffin people here at Team Wedmore was able to pull off a 600 person event is because we created two org charts. Mm -hmm. One org chart was preparing for the event, uh, everything that needed to get done up until day one. And then the second org chart was the during event org chart. Everyone knew what their projects were, what their roles are, where they were supposed to be, what their responsibilities were. And it's when you sit down and you take the time to do this type of planning, all of a sudden you find out you're not running around like a you know, chicken with its head cut off or your hair's on fire because it's been communicated. Mm-hmm. It's been planned, strategized, and organized.
1: I think the beautiful thing about org charts especially as your team starts to grow what we did for bbd live is we kind of presented the org chart to the team and we allowed them to fill in the blanks of where they wanted to participate how much they wanted to take on how they wanted to show up for the event and we just kind of let them have at it on all the different roles that they saw were available and they it was the initiative was incredible
0: yeah they took initiative to say this is what i want Mm -hmm. great And that's what we want to do is we want to give people what they want.
1: Yeah. And some of them naturally chose roles that fit right into their normal day-to-day role. But some people wanted to try something new and take on something new and challenging, which we were able to see even more leadership growth and potential.
0: 100%. Let's move on to lesson number five. Lesson number five is about this. In the industry that we're in, the business that you and I do, you listening, great marketing is essential, but great service a memorable experience, high value, and getting your customers and clients results is always going to be better than great marketing. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find that more and more moving forward and we're going to talk about that as a trend. So so many things that we lean into that we took a, I don't want to say a chance on. I mean, it seems logical, but you got to have both. You got to have great marketing you know, the biggest mistake you think is like I'm just going to create a, the best online course in the world and people will just automatically buy it. No, but you got to have both. The metaphor I like to use is like a shop window. You're walking down like main street USA and there's like some amazing storefront window and it just calls you in. And then if you ever walked into the store and you're like sorely disappointed, you're like all the cool stuff was in the window <laughs> and I'm totally disappointed. That's what you see a lot of people's businesses. Great marketing, Great hook, great whatever. And then you get in and you're like, wah, 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 Mm -hmm. right? And when you can couple both, it's game over, right? And so we did a lot this year to lean into ways that we could create more of an experience, more service, more value, and lean into all the ways in which we could get results for our clients. Mm -hmm. So that took many different forms. Yes, it did. From physical gifts mm-hmm. to our customers and clients. They, you know, they get all kinds of like workbooks and stuff in the mail, right? To, you know, just even more fun gifts, surprise bonuses to all of the coaches that yeah. we've brought into Business by Design. Also, just what we were doing with live events. Yes. You know, live, in, live events, having more of an experience, more of an opportunity for people to connect, right? And even just the way we're launching, we're going to talk about some predictions and trends that we see for newer style of launches that we're super excited about that create experience. So how can you lean in to offer better service, more memorable experiences, higher value, and more results? I mean, if you guys are longtime listeners of the podcast, if my schedule allowed for it, we would have a case study every week from Inside Business by Design. Mm -hmm. You know, the only reason there isn't one every week is because I can't always say yes to doing an interview every single week, but the results our members are getting are amazing. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable, and that's because we focus on that. We don't focus on like, hey, I'm just gonna teach a bunch of things. It's like, no, let's get our clients' results. And if you're not focused on that, it doesn't matter how great your marketing is.
1: Another thing is when you focus on service, experience, value, and results, that ultimately can create great marketing material. Well, for ex- exactly. <laughs> I mean,
0: that was kind of the, uh, yes, the full circle, is then that becomes your, you know, your great marketing, right? Okay, let's move on to lesson number six, which was a lesson that we really learned about a lot of our audience, actually, Mm -hmm. and that we're kind of bringing full circle to what we're talking about before with like vanity metrics.
1: Yeah, and really at all levels of our clients, all
0: levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just like you know, in programs and just in the industry in general, is that a lot of entrepreneurs are only focused on sales and marketing and that high end, top end vanity metric of how much gross revenue that they're making. And they're not looking at expenses. They're not taking very much responsibility for finances. That Mm -hmm. was a lesson that we learned about our market this year. And we're going to lean in a lot more next year to have that conversation with people.
1: Yeah. And I think it's personal brands too, like planning for the future and what it looks like when you're no longer a personal brand.
0: Yep. Totally. We've had frequent podcast guest expert and good friend Mel Abraham on a few times. And uh, he spoke at our inner circle because he's been a CPA for like 40 years, and talks about you know some of the things the structure and system that should be in place for fiscal responsibility in your business. and he he said that for a digital business, if your courses or memberships are group coaching only, your profit margin should be about forty to seventy percent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if you start getting into physical stuff, you know like we do a lot of events, that that starts to change, right? But across the board, digital products only should be 40 to 70%. And there's so much he shared with there. So we want to really bring that conversation to you guys because that was kind of an eye-opener to see how many people are really like making money, but they're not seeing any of it. And then you hear these awful stories. I just... People lie. Like just... It's not like they are lying intentionally. It's just like they don't know what they're talking about. And it just spreads these awful rumors. Like people saying that you can't actually have a sustainable working digital business unless it's already at like a million dollars and stuff like that. It's like, what are you talking about? And I know that my business was easily profitable at six figures, at 100,000 a year. I had a part-time assistant that I paid $18 an hour and a full-time virtual assistant that I paid about $100 a week. I was fine. And I was living in New York City, the second most expensive city in the country, I believe, next to San Francisco, perhaps. I was fine. Like it was, nothing was an issue, right? I was responsible with my finances. I see people just doing some dumb stuff. I see people doing things like, oh, I know I'm going to do a $10,000 website rebrand. Mm. It's like when you're barely making $100,000 a year, that is not a good use of the money. Or that $45 to $65 an hour virtual assistant or project manager that has 10 other clients that isn't gonna work the way you want them to work and Mm -hmm. isn't gonna, yeah. And you
1: can't even guarantee whether or not they're busy with another client or not. Yeah, so this is
0: something that was like a real eye-opener of how common this is. And I'm just gonna share right now that at every level, you can have a healthy profit margin if you're being smart. We started to, at the mastermind, when Mel spoke, we started to categorize different types of expenses, you know, which was really helpful. There's like all these different types of ways we can look at expenses, like ROI expenses, expenses that the more you invest in them, the more return you're going to get, you mm-hmm. know, like something like Facebook ads. And then there's one time, you know, fixed expenses and variables and all these types of things that it's worth noting. And if there's any entrepreneurs out there that are like, eh, I'm just not really a numbers person, you know, you're, probably don't have good numbers. This
1: is business, we gotta talk numbers. We
0: gotta talk numbers because it is business. Business is numbers. I'm not saying it's only numbers, but it is numbers. And I think a lot of people wanna come in and not do that. And I think that's just a really irresponsible decision to make to say, no, it's about people. Of course it's about people. Everything's about people, but business is a game of numbers as well. Because if you're working with people, if you're doing anything, it takes money. Mm If you don't know how to manage that money, if you don't know how to make that money, you don't know what to spend it on or how much you have to spend or whatever, you're going to be in hot doo-doo. Hot doo-doo? Yeah. <laughs> hot water and doo-doo. Hot doo-doo water. It's no joke. I found myself there years ago and I vowed never to do it again. And sadly, there are good people that are giving up, going bankrupt and walking away and having to go get a job because they were sadly too stubborn to say, I'm in business, no matter what my personality type is, no matter what story I've been telling myself, I'm not good at numbers, I'm not a math person, I'm not a left brainer, I'm a creative person. They were unwilling to learn and master the numbers. And at the end of the day, I'll say this, whether you are not a numbers person or want to or not, your business still needs it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not giving your business what it needs some way, then it's not gonna last very long. This is a serious conversation that needs to be had. This is something that was very eye-opening to us. It's something that not a lot of people are talking about. I'm very excited to have people like Mel come on more to talk about this in 2020 and beyond. It's important, okay? All right, let's move on. Lesson number seven, we're gonna talk about this in the predictions. Mm -hmm. I think we learned at a deeper, deeper level this year I mean, this isn't the first time we learned it, but at a deeper, deeper level, how vital and how vital, how necessary and essential great coaching is. Mm. I firmly believe coaching is the difference that's going to make the difference for you. And it's that edge. It's that one to two, even five to 10% edge that you get to have in your competition, in the market, in your performance, that's going to make you better at what you do. And so we leaned into it. Big we, time. We're big time. We processized our coaching model. So we have an entire trainable coaching. I mean, I can, I can get someone, depending on how fast and how willing they are to learn this, to learn this in like a week or two and becoming a phenomenal coach. And then we can... We're using our coaches to help our members. Our members are getting more results. The success rates, the type of results they're getting is through the freaking roof. Mm-hmm. And... We'll talk about this, of course, in then part two about how essential this is going to be for everyone listening moving forward to have something like this in place. That if you're just another course giving another 10 steps of how to do something, you ever wonder why people aren't doing it? They're mm-hmm. not taking action. They're not completing it. Well, coaching is going to be the difference that makes a difference. Coaching is what gets people into action. Coaching is what gets people out of their their fears, their worries, their negative thinking. It gets them out of the wrong type of thinking. It gets them aligned with their actions, their thoughts, their beliefs, and their behaviors so that they can get the results. That's what great coaching does. That was just huge for us this year.
1: Coaching over advice.
0: Coaching over advice. That we can provide more value through great coaching than just giving a bunch of advice, which is what most people are doing. So there you have it. This is part one of our two part where we wanted to recap our 2019 share with you. We love, we love to just be like as transparent as possible. Like, here's what we did. Here's what worked. Here's some of the things that didn't. Here's our big lessons and takeaways. These are important. Mm-hmm. This is what's on our minds. This is what we're taking with us into 2020 And we do this internally anyways as part of our process for staying on top of our own game. Mm -hmm. And you can do this as well by taking our Make Your 2020, You Bitch mini course. Just head on over to www.jameswoodmore.com forward slash goal setting to get your four-step mini course on how to make 2020 your best year in business yet. Part two, we'll get into in just a second what we're going to do about in part two. But Jillian, any final thoughts about... 2019 lessons or your perspective on the year?
1: I would just say not to take this lightly in the practice of not only like celebrating your wins seriously, but also taking your lessons seriously and being in integrity with yourself and not repeating those lessons. in 2020. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) No need to have to relearn the lessons because you refuse to learn it the first time, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, so in the next Monday episode, we're going to go into some of our biggest predictions and trends that we see from specific tools, softwares and platforms to big picture shifts and pivots and new ways of looking at online business, the digital landscape and so much more. I'm so excited to get into this episode. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you got your reminders on Monday morning. Next week, we're going to rock and roll. We'll see you there. See you soon. Did you know 8 out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life.